This is Alfonso Davies, and you're listening to BR Football Ranks. Welcome to BR Football Ranks. Now, it is the eve, as we record this, of the Champions League semi-finals. But by the time you're listening, one of them, if not both, will have already been played. So what we're going to do is completely ignore them. However, there is arguably a bigger story. Now, Barcelona crashed out of the Champions League 8-2 to Bayern Munich. And a couple of weeks ago, we did an episode focused on Real Madrid, but where we did focus a little bit on the way that Barcelona were looking. Now, things have completely and utterly changed in the weeks following that. And we're going to take a deeper look at whether Messi really wants to leave, the appointment of Ronald Koeman, and basically what on earth is going on at Barcelona and the next steps they can try and take to fix things. My name is Jack Collins, and I will be your host today. And joining me as ever, rank God, Mr. Sam Tai. Hello, my friend. Hello, Sam. And of course, our very own transfer guru, Mr. Dean Jones. Hello, mate. Hello, mate. Now, normally I would come straight to you, Dean, on uh, the fact that Messi might be leaving this. But um, I know what you've done is called one of your pals who was the man who broke this story. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you just have to accept, as I've said before, that people have got better contacts than you in some situations. And this is definitely one of those situations because I wish I was the man breaking the story that Messi's decided he wants to leave Barcelona. Sadly, I'm not. Um, so the next best thing was to reach out to Mr. Marcelo Beckler himself and see if he would come on the pod and explain the situation to us. And I'm so happy that he said yes. Um uh, you know, this guy has got great insight anyway into Barcelona. But when you're talking about potentially the biggest transfer story ever, wow. I'm yeah, really absolutely. Excited. I mean, he's the, he's the man that broke the Neymar deal. And I think, you know, without further ado, there's lots to get into in this episode. Let's get straight into a conversation with Marcelo. And let's see if there's any genuine legs in this messy leaving Barcelona rumour. We are delighted to be joined by another transfer titan. This man potentially broke the biggest transfer in the history of football. And uh, it is a genuine honor to have him on the podcast. Mr. Marcelo Beckler, Esporte Interactivo correspondent. Marcelo, it's, a, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for, for joining us. It's an honor for me. It's an honor for me to, to speak with you, to speak with football ranks and Bichler for uh, its uh, I, I hope that I can I can help you with something, but I'm really glad to be with you. Absolutely, I'm going to throw to Dean, and he's going to he's going to walk us through this. <laughs> yeah, well, I um I spoke to Marcelo actually after he broke that that Neymar story. We wrote a big feature about what it was like to um to get that phone call that um Neymar was joining PSG, and you can still read that on, on BR. And it's one of the fa- my favorite pieces actually that I've done in my time here. <laughs> Um, but now, you know, he's tried to top that because he's telling us that Messi wants to leave Barcelona. <laughs> I mean, those two transfers, Marcelo, you need to quit. If, if Messi leaves Barcelona, you have to quit your job because you can't get any better than this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I try to not to be that kind of journalist because I, I'm really lucky uh, with the Neymar history and now with Messi history because I'm not like a DiMaggio uh, or Fabrizio Romano, those guys that can break every history in the, the world. They are uh, inside every room. They, they look like to be inside of every room. I'm not that kind of journalist. Uh, I'm here in Barcelona. I'm based here for five years. I did not imagine when I arrived that I could be 
uh, that kind of journalists and have this kind of information. Um, but I can say without any false modesty that I'm really lucky because the, both stories came to me. I didn't go for them. They came to me. So I can say that I mean, I, I'm lucky and I'm, I, I can assume that without any problem. That's not luck. That means you've got amazing context. So I'm very yeah. jealous of you. Um, <laughs> Marcelo, could you, I mean, the report, you, your report for Esporte kind of flew around the world via Twitter um, and everybody was scrambling to translate it. And, and all we could see is by pressing the, the button on there, just said, mm -hmm. uh, Messi wants to leave Barcelona, not in 2021, now. Could you just expand on that and tell us a bit more about what your report actually explained about the Messi situation? Yes, uh, this, is the, this is the title. No? This is the, 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 the breaking news that uh, he has contract until 2021, until the next season, with uh, 700 million euros clause. Uh, but he wants to live now. Uh, Messi, at the beginning of the season, said in an interview for sport in Barcelona that uh, it was important for him not a big contract or a big uh, a big amount of money but it was important uh, it was important for him uh, a, a solid and strong project and Barcelona ends the season without any title with that loss to Bayern that was the biggest loss in the, in the club history he still have three or four years at good level and he's thinking that uh, here in Barcelona, he can help a lot because he always do, but Barcelona cannot help him. Uh, so Messi always thinking, he always thought that he and Barcelona was just one thing. And now he's thinking that maybe he can be another thing without Barcelona. He can uh, make another step and try to win without Barcelona because Barcelona will not help, help him to win. So this, uh, Messi is angry with the bird. Uh, the Barcelona bird, Messi is angry with, um, he's disappointed with the club and he wants to leave now. The club already know it because the person that told me that it's inside the club, so the club already know it and they are very pessimist that he will stay because Barcelona cannot offer to Messi a strong and solid project right now. The season starts in four, four weeks and they cannot do much to, to help him. They could do that during the season and then the pandemic um, make Barcelona be without any options because Barcelona will make 300 million less than the last season. So they cannot do something. They, they cannot do anything to help him. And then I think that it's very likely that he leaves Barcelona if there is some, some another project, I don't know where, uh, with which club that can seduce him to, to live here. I mean, it really is crazy. Like you're, you're putting it in those terms and it's, it's hard to believe what you're saying, to be honest. I mean, you think back to, to big transfers that, that make you kind of leave you gobsmacked, really. And there's like Luis Figo, that, that one left everybody shocked. There was, there was Beckham going to Galaxy. There was your Neymar story to PSG. But Messi leaving Barcelona, just no, nobody expects that to happen, especially mm -hmm. to go to another European club. I think you, you do expect it at the end of his career, perhaps America, perhaps Argentina. Um, but for, for Messi to go right now, I, I think it's just, it is almost unbelievable. But what is really interesting now, I think, is that if Messi genuinely is on the market, somebody has to go for him. And I know that we're in a time when mm -hmm. uh, there isn't a lot of money in the game and in the world, in the economy generally, because yeah, yeah. 
of everything of COVID. But, you know, somebody has to find some money to, to make a bid here. I mean, he's got a 700 million release clause. Is that realistic? I mean, obviously, a lot of times in Spain, you have these these clauses which are unrealistic. What do you think it would really take to get Messi out of Barcelona? Yeah, uh, it's impossible to someone uh, in that economy that you have in the last six months. It's impossible that someone can pay 700 million euros for, for taking Messi from here. Uh, but I think, and I'm completely sure about that, that Barcelona do not want Messi here unhappy. Uh, after all that Messi gave to them, they not want to, to keep Messi here as a prisoner, like, like Paris Saint-Germain used to do with the, the players that they have there. They, they are unhappy, but they have to keep the contract there. I, I think that Barcelona will not do that. It was I compare more with what Real Madrid did with Cristiano Ronaldo. He had a 1 billion euros clause and left Real Madrid for 100, 100 or 130 million. I think that will be something like that. If some club, and I think that once Messi is in the market, some club will make something to get the money to, I don't know, with sponsors, with uh, TV, I don't know how, but they will make something to get Messi uh, with them for two or three seasons. And not with that kind of money, not with seven, uh, 700 million, but 150, 200, 100, I don't know. But Barcelona will, I think, I think, uh, there is no information, but I think that Barcelona will accept uh, some offer and not just the release clause to, to let him go. Marcelo, in terms of the way that this has all played out and, and you've seen Messi come out and say there needs to be huge changes and, and Bartomeu came out and said that he was going to make huge changes and then obviously Setien was sacked. It looks mm. like they're about to point Ronald Kerman at, at the time of recording. And also there's all this kind of, he's just announced that the elections won't be till March 2021. Mm-hmm. Is that the board being stubborn? It, would they have needed to do more than that? What, what could they have done to basically change Messi's view on what, what this perspective might be and basically get him to rebuy into the club for another year? Yeah, the last, uh, the last news uh, for inside the club, I think that they are not good for those one that one that Messi stays because change Saint-Étienne for Ronald Koeman it's like losing for buying from 8-3 and not wait 8-2 you know or 7-2 or not 8-2 it doesn't change at all uh, it's a, a very small changing uh, inside a club that needs structural changes and big changes if the board say to Messi well we cannot uh, call elections right now because there is no able time to to try to make the new season with the new board because the season starts in four weeks to call elections, to make the elections, and then to make a project, it will make some. Uh, it will need some months to be done. So the next season is already compromised for from Barcelona and for Messi. Barcelona will have that team that lost from Bayern from a two and more Pjanic, Mateus Fernandes, Trincão, and Pedri. This is the Barcelona for the next season. I don't know if they can. They can uh, make money with Coutinho, Dembélé, Umtiti. They are saying now that they are try they will try to to make money and to 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 sell Luis Suarez, Busquets, Jordi Alba. That is with the uh, which in the news here in the newspaper here in Barcelona today. But I don't know which club will want Suarez with 32 years old, winning, making uh, 15 million euros by season. And I don't know who who we want a player like that. Who will want a player like Busquets? that makes 10 million euros by, by year with 32 years. And Jordi Alba the same, and Untiti that cannot play 15 matches by season. 
we want to, to pay for those players. It will be very hard to Barcelona to make something, to get money, to sing another players and not make happy, make Messi happy, but to make Messi believe that this club will fight for something the next season. So it's very hard. I think that the, the steps that the bird are making are not sufficient, but they are very, very, very uh, not sufficient to make Messi believe in this project. And this is why I think that he's more out than inside the club today. Marcelo, one question for you here. Uh, it's, it's about you breaking the story and you mm -hmm. sending the tweet, writing the article. What's the reaction like when you hit that <laughs> button? Do you watch it come in and go, oh my God? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was Sunday. I, have, I, I had work a lot in the, uh, in the weekend because of the match and the repercussion on Saturday. And on Sunday, I, I had the, the day free and I just arrived from the, for the gym. I, I was going to, to dinner with my, my girlfriend. It was her birthday and we are going to outside Barcelona, a wine, a wine cellar with the sunset and everything. And then my, my phone uh, rang and from the name that, that appears, I said, you are not asking me to, to go to a beer. It's not a good thing that you call me on Sunday after what happened on the on Friday. And he said, "Yes, yeah, do you have paper and uh, a, a pen? I have all the papers and all the pens that you want because I know there is that that's big, that's huge." And then he starts to tell me the the story. And I, I'm a Barcelona fan, and I'm Brazilian, and I came to Barcelona to be close from the club, to be close to the team. I, I wanted to leave that for for inside for some years, and I'm I, I was saying to him, you, you are putting a knife on my chest, uh, but the best knife I could ever imagine because this, this, it will be my story. Uh, so it was, personally, it's, uh, it's a story that I don't want to tell. I want to be wrong, but professionally, it's very big, it's very huge, it's very important to me. So it was a mix of feelings. Uh, and I believe in this guy because he's inside the club. Everybody knows him. Uh, he, he knows Messi a lot. Of course, I will not say to anyone, never, who, who he is. And you guys can understand that. For the, This is the, the, the first thing in journalism. But I believe him 100%. And now that we are recording this, Messi, until, until now, did not deny it. The Messi staff do not answer any, any message, do not uh, answer any call. And Barcelona only denied, but Barcelona always do that. Barcelona denied the Neymar story as well. So I think that Messi cannot leave. He, he cannot leave. He can decide to stay. But the story is real. Uh, there is some days that uh, we tell the story and it's, uh, it's still going on. Messi did not deny until now. Marcelo, I, I know you said right at the beginning that you, you know, it wasn't, this isn't coming from any kind of angle as, as to where he might go. But the obvious suitors would obviously be Manchester City, given that the Pep connection mm -hmm. is there. Inter Milan are always linked with Messi for, for some sort of weird, obscure reason. They always come out and be like, yeah, we'd love to sign Messi. I was like, yeah, everyone would like that, my friends, but, mm. but equally. Mm -hmm. And PSG, I suppose, given that they were the, the players in, in the main big transaction that happened with, with Neymar, would appear to be maybe the only other club that have the money to pull this off. Where, is there anyone else that, that might enter this equation that you, you could kind of see? Or is, is it those three would be, the, would be the big players? Yeah, I can imagine that th those three. Uh, but on Sunday when I was speaking with my, my source, uh, I asked him uh, exactly that. But which club can pay that for Messi and can give Messi some, some project? Because as we were saying before, 
he cannot go to a, any European club. He can go to a state. He can go to Qatar. He can go to another place. He can go back to Argentina. But if he wants to leave Barcelona to still be in his best level, he has to play in Europe. He has to play. He has to play in a, in a big club here. And the source told me, no, Inter has never called him. Inter has not has never called Barcelona. It's it's just rumors. There is nothing with Inter. Uh, Paris Saint Germain and Manchester 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 City. I don't know, but Inter there is nothing. And if we we try to make the picture in Manchester City, Manchester City has the money to sing Messi. With 700 million, no, but they, they have the money to sing Messi. Uh, Messi can trust in Guardiola, Messi trusts in Chiqui Bergenstein, in Ferran Soriano. Uh, there is Aguero there, the be- Messi's best friend. So he, he will not be alone. They, they know the, he knows the club, he knows the persons that they are there. It's a strong project. They need a, a, best, a, a big player like Messi to give another step, to, to play harder in, the, in Europe. So I think that it's... The most likely, I have no information about that, but when we try to make the victory, playing a game with Guardiola, make maybe the less dense with Guardiola and Aguero and a club that they have the director that he believes and he trusts, I think that is the most kind of victory that we can make. Paris Saint-Germain, someone told me, Paris Saint-Germain will not be the same after the pandemic. Economically, they, they have the same problems from Barcelona. Big salaries, less uh, winning, less money, and it will be hard for them to make some, some, some deal like that. If they, they make it with Neymar, they made it with Mbappé, now with Messi, it's even harder. And I think that they cannot afford for this. So I think and I believe that Manchester City is the more likely club to sing Messi. But I have no information about that. So, I mean, in terms of actually signing Messi, Neymar set the world record transfer fee when he joined PSG at 222 million euros. Barcelona, if they're going to sell Messi, he has to go for more than that, doesn't he? This is the greatest player of all time. He has to, he has to go for more than that. Yeah, but he's 23. Neymar was 25. Uh, Paris Saint-Germain still can, he still can sell Neymar and make uh, 150 million back, I think. And Messi, no one will sell Messi after this, this, this possible transfer. It will be, the, his, it will be his last dance. It will be his last transfer. It will be his last project. It will be his last great moment. So if you want, if someone wants to sing Messi, they will know that we will spend a lot of money and we will have this until he's, he, he still can play good. And I think that Barcelona can understand that now no one have uh, 200 million euros to sing someone. It's impossible. So that's why I compare with Cristiano Ronaldo that had a, a, a billion euro clause and left Real Madrid for 130 million. I think that you'll be something like that if it happens. I think that you would be something like that. I've got the I've got the answer. I, it seems like Inter Milan <laughs> and Barcelona need to swap Lautaro Martinez for Messi because Inter want Messi, Barca want Lautaro. Off you go. There you have it. And and, and some and, and some money to Barcelona. They cannot yeah. just ship that <laughs> because it's very unfair. I'm still here in Barcelona. <laughs> Lautaro and 100 million. That, that I, can, I, I, can, I can sign that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll sign the paperwork myself. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I can do that. Well, Marcelo, thank you so much for joining us. This insight has been phenomenal. And, and congratulations, I suppose, on, on breaking another incredible story, another, another one that has gone around the world like wildfire. Uh, and that, that's two out of two uh, for you. But um, 
I mean, thank you so much for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure. Just if you want to tell people where they can follow you on, on social media to get, get the most out of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was my, my pleasure. As I was saying to you before, I'm, I'm sorry and I apologize for my bad English. It's Not because at here all. in Spain, they say Wi-Fi. They not say Wi-Fi, so it's very hard to, to, to keep a good English living here. Uh, but it, uh, it was my pleasure. It was very, very nice and very, very fun to be with you. Uh, you, can, you can follow me on social media, Marcelo Beckler, Beckler with C and H. Uh, Marcelo Beckler on Twitter and Instagram and also Sport Interativo. Uh, it's in Brazilian, it's in Portuguese, Sport Interativo. You can follow uh, us there and uh, I'll be very glad. Perfect. Well, obrigado, Marcelo. Ciao. <laughs> You're welcome. Ciao. Well, how, how about that then? Well then, jeez. I can't, uh, on, the, the thought of Messi leaving Barcelona is totally and utterly alien to me, but you spend 20 minutes with Marcelo Beckler and you start to believe it's going to happen. This is crazy. Man, Dean, I mean, Dirk, this is one of those things where uh, I saw the tweet from, from Zach Lowe. who said it was the, very much the, the reliable Marcelo Beckler. And then you tweeted straight afterwards pretty much saying, if Marcelo says this, then I believe him. And... He wasn't just sort of like, oh, he's thinking about it. It's uh, Messi wants to leave. Yeah, I did tweet that. And it was, you know, I, from when I spoke to him last time over the whole Neymar thing, I just got um, a really good idea of how he goes about his, his job. And I just know that he's not a chancer. Um, you know, there's plenty of journalists that might try and float a, a rumour here and there. But one, you can't really do that anyway if it's Messi because you're going to look, usually look stupid. And two, if you're going to, then you've got to have something to back it up. And he's just told us that he's basically spoken to the person on the board that knows about it. So um, <laughs> that's good enough for me. Um, wow. I mean, how do you replace Messi? I mean, it's impossible. Like we were talking there about, you know, what does happen? How do you even get a deal for Messi? Do they then try and get Neymar back? Is that going to finally happen? Do they go down the Lautaro route? Um, I don't know. Maybe they go Chupo Moting. I don't know what they're <laughs> going to do. <laughs> be a good shout. Be a good shout. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just crazy. I mean, what a disastrous season, obviously, for Barcelona. You know, since lockdown, when I predicted they were going to go on and win La Liga, uh, they absolutely capitulated. Um, Messi has taken a stand basically by himself. Look, he loves Barcelona. He doesn't want to leave Barcelona. I'm pretty sure about that. Um, but what's happened is at a time when usually if Barcelona had a run as bad as they had, you'd have had the fans in the stand waving their handkerchiefs and demanding change. And that couldn't happen because they're all locked out. So Messi's basically had to take it upon himself to try and force the changes. And it doesn't sound there like enough of the change is going to happen to satisfy him, does it? No, not at all. And this is it. Like the, the whole lockdown, the whole pandemic is things outside of everybody's control, including Josep Bartomeu, who is maybe the least blameless man in the situation. But he, he very much can't be blamed for the fact that there was a global pandemic. He, that, <laughs> that one cannot be laid at his door. But the problem is that they've now let themselves a time period where, where things just cannot be achieved. And in, in all of this and in all of these things, Messi's going, I'm watching my final years go down the drain here. And, and, and you can see even like his body language by the end of that Bayern game was just like, what am I doing? Why am I here? Like, how am I in this situation right now? And, and ultimately, there are, there are destinations where he, he can go. I know that, you know, we've just had the inter rumor kind of a little bit poo-pooed there. And, and I actually think it might be for the best because it's one of those strange things where 
you see how much Conte's sides run and we watched them absolutely dominate Shakhtar last night and we watched people, bodies on the line. Lautaro works like an absolute Trojan from that kind of centre-right spot where, where Messi, you'd imagine, would fit. Messi won't do that. He just, he doesn't. He doesn't need to. He isn't that player. He's past that age. And yet you're sort of a bit like, I'm not sure he would actually fit in at Conte's interside. And yet they would have to make a space for him because it's Lionel Messi. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, not, it, Conte's not a good fit for him at all. I, I mean, honestly, I'm still, I'm not emotionally ready to talk Messi next destinations because the, the news that he even wants, to, the, the, the fact that I have to imagine a Barcelona without Messi is still settling in. I'm still not quite there yet. It's, this is like, it's seismic. It sort of changes, it changes your, like what, what football has been for you for the last like decade or more, right? Yeah. Yeah. I have to say, I bought Dylan a Barcelona shirt with Messi on it about three months ago. Not thinking that that would be Messi's last ever kit. Like, <laughs> Surely he doesn't want to check out in these like weird checkers. Like, yeah. He wants to get back in the stripes before he Please goes. Please play a friendly <laughs> in the new kit. <laughs> Just so it's not the last kit he ever played in. I mean, we're going to get some more insight in a minute from our friend, friend of the pod, Samuel Marsden, who is a Barcelona correspondent for ESPN and sport and very much a man on the ground in Barcelona. But I'm still kind of getting to this. It's just like the revelations that have just been put on the table have shocked me to my core. And yet you can completely understand them, Sam. You can understand why Messi might be like, nah, I'm not, I'm not sure this is it. Yeah, I mean, the, as you said earlier, like the timeline is is really working against Barcelona here. Um, some of it's out of their control. Of course, some of it is. I mean, this is this is this is a problem of their own making. We're going to talk about the age of the squad, the sluggish nature of it, the contracts that they're facing, the, the amount of money that some of these 32, 33 year olds are earning and explains why this, this, the squad is in the state it's in. They've bought all these players. Like, this is all their own doing. The problem that they've got with regard to Messi and the, 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 the coming year, the last year on his deal, is you can't hold a presidential election during a global pandemic. You, it, the season starts in four weeks, as Marcelo says. It's impossible. Like, the earliest possible opportunity for this would be, like, probably November or something like that. That's when these things tend to happen from memory. I, I've definitely seen presidential elections start in, in November, December. But even that's unsure. So you get to the end of next season, you get to March. That's too late. It's just not enough time to convince Messi that he has a project to believe in. Those words from Marcelo about a, a stable project, a sporting project that Messi can believe in, it cannot be put into place until his contract finishes. And then he has to take another leap of faith. And maybe he's managed by Xavi. Maybe there's a new president. I don't know what happens, but I can certainly understand how he's reached his wits end with this. Yeah, absolutely. And, and where, do you, where do you want to see Messi next? If he, if he does leave, where do you want to see him? Granada. Oh, realistically. <laughs> <laughs> um, Granada. Yeah, Granada. We've got, Euro, uh, got European Euros, football. Right? Yeah, Euro- European football. Um, oh, mate, Premier League. Uh, I, I, want, I want to see Messi in the Premier League. Um, I want to have the opportunity, pandemic allowing, to, to travel up and down the country to watch him play football. I want to see uh, him play for an English team and I want to see them draw Stoke City in the Carabao Cup in the third round on a Tuesday night. I hope it's wet, cold and windy. Just so we can put that one to bed. Yeah. Um, I mean, when you put all the things aside, I, I think City makes the most sense. It's the one, it allows that kind of romance of, of as Marcelo was saying, that last dance with Guardiola, that whole thing with Aguero and, and everyone and it just all going one more time. There is definitely some romance in that. Yeah, yeah. Marcelo, like Marcelo made was... me fall in love with that concept. As he was talking, I was like, I'm in. Oh, you, you've got me. I just love him also just like go rogue. Just sign for like, I don't know, 
Sporting Club to Portugal. It's like really <laughs> like or Porto or Celtic and just like really like lose it in like a, that. in a really random league. Just like yeah. just like where he was like everyone was like, hang on, if you left you left Spain and you went to Scotland. Like <laughs> that's not that's not it. But um no, I think I think the City project at this point, makes the most sense. What about Man United? Can't get Jadon Sancho, so turn to Messi instead. Imagine okay. that. <laughs> Some, yeah, absolutely. It's just it's, it's a decent switch if you were going to do it. Right, let's get to Sam Marsden, who had many things to say about the way that Barcelona go next. And then we'll come back and talk a little bit about the appointment, shall we say, in inverted commas, because we currently haven't had official confirmation that Ronald Kerman is going to be the new Barcelona boss. What we have had is Ronald Kerman coming out and saying, yeah, it's happening. So um, I'm going to take it as <laughs> mostly a given and uh, I think Sam will as well so we will be back after we speak to Sam Marsden. Welcome back to BR Football Ranks where we are delighted to be joined by a man in the know a man on the ground uh, our friend Sam Marsden the Barcelona correspondent for ESPN and Sports. Sam thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me pleasure to pleasure to be here guys. Um, Long time listener. We're a big fan of yours as well, as, as you well know. And Sam Ty, I'm going to have to go double barrels here because we're uh, obviously we're doubling down on Sam's this, this week, um, is going to just kind of feed into this bit, I think. And uh, we're going to have a look at the next steps to, to what Barcelona do. Yeah, I asked Sam to come on and, um, and basically plot Barca's route back to the top. And, and the truth is, it's difficult to do that right now because of this presidential election that's hanging over the club that comes in next March. So we've got a lot of a lot of ground to cover before we even get to next March, before Barca can really put the full building blocks in place to fix what we're seeing. So right now we're talking short-term adjustments. What can they do? What are their next steps? So I asked Sam to come up with what they should do over the next couple of months to see where we can get to with this Barca side. And Sam, uh, I'll leave it to you to raise the first point. Yeah, well, I think following the news that Kike Setien's been sacked, that's the first sort of major, major change following the Bayern Munich result. The, the logical step is you have to have a coach, right? So I think we're all expecting a coaching appointment in the coming days. I mean, maybe by the time this goes out, we'll even know that Ronald Koeman has been appointed because that's the direction they're heading in. After sounding out a couple of names, they're obviously in a difficult position like they were in January with a, with a lack of real options. So whether, whether Barca fans like it or not, whether it's the appointment they would have gone for or not, that's the next step that Barca are going to take and that's what they're working with. So now it's a case of, you know, the players, if they can, pulling behind, pulling behind Koeman and, the, co- and the, the fans as well, obviously getting behind him and taking it from there. It's not an ideal situation to, to take the reins of the club, but that's, <laughs> it is what it is, to use a Valverde phrase. Um, who obviously be an interesting spectator these last few weeks. Yeah, so Coman comes in and then the, the hope from Barcelona is, you know, that he's able to have the effect that, that, Setien, that Setien was unable to have in his, in his seven months at the club. Do you feel like it's a bit confused here, their, their managerial highs? To go from Valverde to Setien to Coman is not exactly clear. It's not, it's not clear in its identity, is it, or its purpose or its style? Yeah, I mean, they've kind of lurched from like this idea of like Setien being this this big Cruyff Easter, someone who can come in and, you know, play sort of a Cruyff or a Guardiola style of football and get Barca doing what they were never doing under Valverde. Um, he quickly realised within about two or three games that that wasn't going to be possible, that he didn't have the players or the legs to employ that sort of style that works in the modern game with the way it's evolved with more pressing, more running. Um, so they've turned to someone who played under Cruyff instead. So I guess there's that kind of link there despite the fact Koeman and Setien are quite different managers in terms of their style, how they manage dressing rooms. 
Um, I mean, what they're hanging on Barca and what they're hoping for is that Koeman can be the man to oversee some sort of change in these coming weeks, which is going to be difficult because there's some big players on big wages that, that won't want to leave or clubs won't be able to pay their wages. But the hope is that Koeman can A, sort of oversee that as he did. They point to Valencia where he actually didn't have a very successful spell despite winning the, winning the cup. But he did... Um, he did. He was, you know, sort of strong enough to come in and tell players, "Look, you're not needed anymore. Big players, big personalities." And Setien was just never able to to get a, get a grip on the on the dressing room, on the big players, on the the big egos, on the players that have, you know won so much. Just because, despite his, you know, his the way he played at other clubs and the reason that propelled him into the Barca role, the players just never really had that that respect that you know maybe a manager should should have, um, especially for. Not just for Setien, but for his coaching stuff. Edis Saravia obviously saw a lot of stuff with that. He's a young guy with not much football background. Like, I mean, Setien's got an exhaustive football background, but not at the top level winning the top trophies, which is what Barca have been doing for the last decade. So Coman's obviously well thought of in Barcelona. He's, you know, he's a legend. They call him the hero of Wembley because he scored that goal. He was assistant under Van Gaal between, I think, in Van Gaal's first spell. Um, so, yeah, they hope that more than playing style, that now they just need someone to come in and, you know, be the man to oversee that, oversee that change. So if anything, we could be talking about Koeman, you know, in 10 years as like the full guy that came in and sort of started the change, as we've sort of seen, I guess, with some of the Manchester United managers in recent years. You sort of started to talk about the players that might need to move on. Can I get some examples of these, of these sort of like important players that, that may need to be shifted or may need to be moved on for the, for the benefit of the club? Because I get the impression you're going to be talking about some major Barcelona names in this, in this bracket. Yeah, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, basically, you're looking at there's only sort of three or four players that are definitely not going to be moved on or they're not going to look to move on. In Mark Testegen. Frankie de Jong and obviously Lionel Messi as well, who's, but he's obviously a case apart. Maybe we'll talk about later. But in terms of players that, that are liable to leave this summer, I guess there's, there's two camps, really. There's the, there's the first ones, which are players that have been signed and underperformed and you know, been up for sale, sort of offered around over the... I mean, since the coronavirus pandemic, really, they've been even before, they've been sort of looking to move players on who, who, haven't, who haven't fitted in players like, I mean, and, and it's harsh in some cases because you're talking about Junior Furpo who's not really had a chance at left back. Um, you're talking about, you know, Usman Dembele who's been riddled with injuries and hasn't really had a chance. Obviously, Coutinho is the obvious one. Samuel Mtiti, another one who's been injured who they're looking to move on. So they're the ones that at first, Barca thought, you know, let's move these guys on, see if we can get some money and make some signings. Um, in the background, I mean, for the last two years now, everyone's known. Everyone saw what happened in Rome. Everyone saw what happened in Liverpool. Everyone's seen how this, this side has slowly declined. I think you can see in the way Valverde was, was playing that this was a team in decline and he was playing them to get the best out of them. And obviously, in hindsight, people realised maybe why Valverde was doing what he was. And whether you appreciate it or not, he, he did a good job in those circumstances. I've always seen how they've unravelled since he left. Um, so now they've got to make some really, really big decisions, which are going to be hard decisions to make because these are players that have, you know, that have done so well for the club for the last 10 years and won so many trophies. But you're looking at, you know, Gerard Piquet said himself after the game on Friday, said, look, if I have to go to, to start the change, then, then so be it. So you're looking at, you know, you're looking at Piquet, Jordi Alba, Sergio Busquets, uh, Luis Suarez as the four players who have been, you know, such huge performers. And then on the periphery of that as well, you've also got Ivan Rakitic and Arturo Vidal. And these are all players that are in their 30s now. In their own, I don't think any of them are massive problems. I mean, some fans may disagree. Some fans, you know, will hate Jordi Alba or especially there seems to be a lot of hate for Ivan Rakitic. But these are guys that individually are still good players. I think the problem is you're putting out a team of plus 30, over 30s 
and it's slowly caught up with them. Just collectively, it's just a little bit too much now. So some of them, some of them have to go and you have to decide big decisions, which ones can go, who you can replace, who stays, who you keep and who you build around. I think the two for me, obviously, Messi and PK, I think for me, are the ones that have to stay. I think PK's still still offering a lot of the back. We see centre-backs sort of aren't so affected by age, perhaps, you know, they can go on for a couple more years if they've got a good team around them. And PK's still been, been an important player. He's, I've been impressed with how he's developed as a leader in the last sort of five years, I guess, because he was always tagged with, you know, this sort of immaturity, this sort of messing around a little bit and, you know, Poyle sort of dragging him along. Um, but I mean, and he's still a little bit like that off the pitch and occasionally in press conferences. But on the pitch and in the dressing room, he's sort of developed. I mean, I guess maybe it comes for everyone with age. So I think he's still got an important role to play. Um, and then, yeah, you've got to make really, really big decisions on Suarez, Busquets and Albert. Like I say, these are guys, I wouldn't say they've gone crap, but when you put them in the team and they're all in the team together, there's just, it's just the time and we've just seen the 8-2 to Bayern. They just need to have a fresh start. I mean, Bayern are a side that made big decisions with, you know, ribbon and robbery. Ribbon and robbery, robbery, <laughs> robin and ribbery. I never knew that would be a tongue, tongue mm-hmm. twister and stuff like that in the recent season. So they've got to look towards, you know, these these generational changes that happen. Um, the problem, I guess, they've got is that all these players are at the same age, so they have to make all these decisions now at the same time. And the problem is the kind of money that they're going to not get for these players at the moment. I think that that's that's an issue. You know, like teams haven't got big money to spend right now, so even. You know, the chance to buy Luis Suarez, obviously there will be clubs that, that jump at that opportunity, but it's not going to be for the sort of money that it would have been once upon a time, especially knowing what Barcelona's situation is right now. Clubs know that they're going to be looking to offload. And, and look, I think Barcelona, you know, on the flip side of that, they, they've tried to sign big players, obviously, and they've tried to counter the ageing squad by signing Coutinho, Dembele and Griezmann and bringing the the next kind of phase of superstars and they just haven't worked out and I mean it's very easy for us to say in hindsight that those are three terrible signings but when each of them was made they didn't look that bad did they? No that's the thing at the time I mean Dembele looked like a great signing he just had an amazing season with with Dortmund and to be I mean not to be the, the only problem with him has obviously been injuries he had I think he's only had in three seasons one real spell where he had a run of games and that was in his in his second season, sort of the first half of the second season. I definitely, I mean, Coutinho, I mean, in general, the reaction to him signing was very positive. You know, everyone was like, this guy's going to fit in at Barcelona. So yeah, there's no guarantees that they sell these guys and they bring in the replacements. I think that's why they have to, I mean, and that's another plus for Komen is I think I, there's, you know, there's disagreements over how, how good or bad his first season has been. But I actually think Frankie de Jong is going to be absolutely huge for Barca in the next few years and in the post-Messi years and I think you know that's another plus for Komen because obviously the Dutch connection they've worked together in the Dutch national team so rather than sort of go all out on signings I think they need to look to sort of build around him to obviously Ter Stegen will come on as sort of like a captain role when he's back maybe Lenglet still has a role to play I mean he's had quite a good season he was surprisingly bad against Bayern but I think everyone everyone was bad against Bayern um, so he could still sort of sort of perform that spine with Messi maybe maybe Griezmann and Dembele or Coutinho could even come back and and surprise us but like you say selling those selling those those guys is going to be tough because of their ages and because of the situation all right so who, who comes in then what, what what's the influx of, of youth to balance this out who are we looking forward to well this is the thing there's, there's at the same time as there's not a market for buying players there's not a huge there's no money at Barcelona for buying players they have zero money to to sign anyone so any players they do sign um comes from players that they're able to sell or from or from swap deals um the obvious one at the moment, or the first one, I mean, he's not even a guaranteed starter as well, depending on what happens at the back of Eric Garcia. 
who I think everyone now expects to sign from Manchester City. They've sort of said he's not going to renew. Barcelona are confident of getting that deal done. So now it's just a case. Now they're both out of the Champions League are sitting down and working out how they do that deal, whether it's part of some sort of... People keep talking about some sort of right-back swap deal. It seems strange to me. I've not had it confirmed about the Semedo, Cancelo and Sergio Roberto and all these names floating around, whether Eric Garcia would be involved in some sort of swap deal or whether Barcelona will just sign him. Um, and then the, obviously the other big one who, who they want is Lautaro Martinez, um, who obviously price probably went up again last night after Inter shown in the semi-final. Maybe they can add a few more million if he, if he does the business against Sevilla in the final with Barca. We've obviously been negotiating that one for a long time. The club have confirmed that Bartomeu said it's stopped for now, um, pending the European competitions. But Inter are asking sort of, you know, a lot of money and rightfully so. They've got no need to sell. Um, so it's a case of raising money and then seeing what players Inter want the, one player that Inter would be prepared to accept is Junior Firpo. There were sort of talks about the midfielders, Rakitic and Vidal before, but I think they're off the table now. I mean, so Inter have got 150 billion midfielders. They need to stop buying central midfielders. Yeah, like trying yeah, to get so... Sandro Tonali over the, over the line. It's like, where are you going to play all these guys? So, yeah, it's a case of getting, um, getting that money for Lautaro. I mean, I don't know if that happens now this, this summer. I don't know if they can possibly raise that money and bring him in. Um, yeah, and then I guess the, the Neymar stuff never going to disappear, but I think that's a no go for now. We've also got some younger players here, though. Like they've been busy, haven't they? Over the yeah. last year, they may not have any money to spend now, but they've been they've been booking signings for later over the last yeah. couple of years. So we've got yeah, Tr- I mean, Trincao from Braga, we've got Pedri from Las Palmas. We might be in a situation where these guys play a bigger role than we really anticipated when they were secured back six, twelve months ago. Yeah, I think Trincao is a really interesting one because when they signed him on, I think it was on deadline day in January, I don't think I'd ever heard of him. And I was like, what's this guy they're signing for 30 million? Obviously, I looked up his sort of like stats and spoke to people and stuff and he'd hardly, he'd played very infrequently for Braga up until that point this season. And since then, you know, I've been sort of following Braga games, seeing how he's getting on and he seems to be scoring or setting up goals every game and just seems to be really good. So there's excitement about how he sort of kicked on since, since then. And obviously, Barca... I mean, you can never be 100% sure because Barca have done some, some weird, dodgy deals in the past. But to pay 30 million for this guy obviously suggests there's, there's something there. So there's excitement. He's there, he's there training already now. So there's definitely sort of excitement about him. Um, Pedri's another one. I think Pedri's maybe more, more long-term. He's obviously only 17. Had a good season with Las Palmas. I wouldn't be surprised if he does pre-season with the first team and then maybe alone with another La Liga club. There's a lot of interest in him. Um, but depending on yeah, depending on how short the squad and squad ends up, he could have a chance. And then you're looking at the guys coming through from the academy. Obviously, everyone is aware of this season now in Ansu Fati and uh, Ricky Budge, uh, who surprisingly didn't even play in the in the Champions League because he'd been playing really well in the final final few weeks of the Liga. They look much better when he plays in in midfield. He just adds that extra sort of impetus, that freshness that you just sort of don't really get from the other midfielders. They're all he's very different in that he's you know he's, you can see he's more attacking. He gets on the ball. He can. He can keep the ball despite his size and stuff. And I think next season they have to really take a, take a bet on him because he's, he's not a kid anymore. I mean, he's, he's still young. I think he's 20, 21 now, but he's, just because he looks 16, you're sort of inclined to think, you know, he's got seasons ahead of him, but he's getting to that age where he needs to be involved with the first team now on a week-to-week basis. And I think we're definitely going to see that next season, or I think we should see that next season. It's not just that he uh, is, is, is of that age. It's the, he needs to be involved in the first team because of what he brings to the team in terms of dynamism, ball carrying, passing between the lines. Like They just look so much more alive when Ricky Pooge is on the pitch. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 I mean, it's hard to know for sure because you hear different things from different people, but it boils down to that, you know, the power that that ageing spine has in the dressing room because, you know, we see Rakitic and Vidal, who are good players, playing every week, but... 
Setien obviously never had the character. Because I think Setien, you'd like to think that Setien knows that Ricky Pudge is a player. We don't know exactly what he sees in training, but from what we saw when Ricky Pudge was given chances, I mean, he had one bad game in the Copa del Rey against Ibiza and he sort of disappeared again for three months. But then he came back in after lockdown. Um, and there's been talk from Setien and Valverde that there are areas of the game and is, that he needs to improve on. And yeah, they're the things that you don't see. You know, maybe he loses his position and he's sort of, you know, susceptible to when Barca get counted and stuff. Whereas, you know, Rakitic and Vidal, I mean, Vidal especially works hard. He's running up and down all day. He's getting back for blocks and stuff. And I guess you lose that aspect. He's a bit more, maybe Ricky Pudge at this stage of his career, at this stage of his development is still a bit more of a luxury for the first team. But in terms of what he gives to Barca, and Barca are a team that's supposed to be playing, playing on the front foot. They're not supposed to be, you know, sitting back and making sure they've got the midfielders. You know, they're supposed to be taking chances and entertaining. And Ricky Pudge has been much more entertaining than than any of those other guys. And you'd have to think that Setien, Setien knows that a man of his sort of football football history and what he what he likes and what he wants to see in teams and the style he plays. He must know that Setien, that, that Ricky Pudge is, is, a, is, is a player. So I don't know what that's... I guess it's, I can only think that it's an example of, you know, the, the weight that the, the veterans have in the dressing room, but the reason that Ricky Pudge has spent so long on the bench. Sam, thank you so much for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me on. It's been a delightful... Do you want to just tell the, uh, the right school where they can follow you for, uh, for the latest on Barcelona and beyond? Yeah, just on, on ESPN or on, on Twitter at Samuel Marsden. They're the, the main places I'm popping up. With all, that, with all the latest from the, from the ground at the new camp. Thanks, Sam. <laughs> Well, thank you very much to Mr. Samuel Marsden. That was phenomenal. We were actually joined by not only Sam Tai and Dean Jones, but also the youngest member of the rank squad, Mr. Reese Jones, uh, taking his podcast debut. Pod debut. Look at him. Three looking... months old, youngest member of the rank squad. Yeah, looking into the Zoom camera right now, looking very, very concerned about you two, isn't he? <laughs> he does look concerned about us. And that's potentially because we're about to talk about the appointment of Ronald Kerman as Barcelona manager. Now, Sam, I know for a fact that you are the tactics writer for Southampton Football Club's program. And Southampton is probably the first time most of our listeners will have seen Ronald Kerman in a kind of primary role. Um, he was obviously Van Gaal's assistant at Barcelona before, and he's had numerous roles around the Eredivisie. But in, in terms of actually having a, a role in a, in a top five league, he was at Valencia very briefly. But his, his first big stint, I suppose, was at Southampton, where he actually achieved their highest ever league finish off the back of Maurizio Pochettino leaving. Yeah, he's actually been around for a while, hasn't he, as a manager? I mean, we weren't in, I wasn't introduced to him properly until he was manager of Feyenoord, so just, just before Southampton. Um, and he was, took the Saints job in 2014, lasted a couple of years. 63 points in 2016, so highest ever Premier League finish for Southampton. I mean, it's, it's, it, was, it was good football. He, he did a really good job. Um, he was... He coached, he coached an exciting style, a quick style. It was pretty industrious at its heart, and it was pretty physical as well. They played to a big striker in Graziano Pella, and they played through the channels to Shane Long, and they tried to use the strike partnership, and they were, they were more direct than, I would say, Cruyff Easters would probably appreciate. And they were more industrious in the middle too. I mean, Stephen Davis and Victor Wanyama was the central midfield pairing. And Jordi Classy worked in there as well occasionally. So, yeah, um, I would say, honestly... Uh, he's closer to Valverde, way closer to Valverde than he is to Setien in terms of a style or a mould of tactics. So this is another example of Barcelona toing and throwing on what they want to be. Uh, obviously going from Valverde to Setien was a, an attempt to get back to their DNA. Obviously Setien has figured out after three games that they can't play that style. The Barca board appear to have realised that too. It looks like they're battening down the hatches and going, all right, 
well, we need one season until we get to these elections. And the best we can do, if we're not going to be able to get rid of all these players, if we can't do too much changeover because of a lack of cash, the best thing we can do is appoint a manager who gets the best out of these players like Valverde did, right? I mean, that's, that's the ultimate irony here is that he was kind of chased out, um, kind of hounded out. And we look back with retrospect, what a job that he did with this team. And they're going back to a Valverde-esque figure to try and recuperate and to try and recapture some of that magic that actually saw them win trophies in the season. Yeah, I mean, something you mentioned there, and I think something that's kind of come up for me is the way that that team were very, very hard-pressing team at Southampton team. And you just don't get that at Barcelona at the moment. And you saw in the 8-2, and we said to Marcelo, the body language, everything was just off. And, and the players didn't run. It's taken... Ricky Pooge's introduction, as Sam said earlier in that segment, to really inject any sort of life and go into, into this midfield. Obviously, Vidal's done okay. Um, but it has been very much that kind of aggressive press that has been missing or any sort of dynamism or intensity from Barcelona's style. Is that something Kerman's going to have to bring back? Considering you've asked him, what, considering he's been asked what Barcelona were lacking and his first answer was any sort of intensity. Yeah, I mean, intensity comes in multiple forms, right? It doesn't have to come in the form of, of, of a sky-high press. It doesn't have, they don't have to be camped on the edge of the opponent's areas. You can be intense in other ways because Valverde's team were intense, but just from a mid, mid, middle block or a low block. They, they, they didn't operate as high up the pitch off the ball as Barca probably wants to. But in the middle, they were bullish. There was a reason that Valverde liked uh, Paulinho and then latterly Arturo Vidal, the physicality that he was able to offer, the intensity in midfield. You can be intense in different ways. And I think that's probably where Koeman ends up. I think he ends up beefing up the side and making them more intense, but not necessarily in a, with, with a high press that the likes we see for Bayern Munich. Because this team, they obviously can't do that. I mean, you can't ask Suarez and Messi to press up front for 90 minutes. And this is something we raised last week on the podcast when we previewed and we ranked these teams. I mean, I got a bit wrong in that pod, clearly, because I put Leipzig in eighth place. But with Barca, the concern was they are not intense enough and they, are, they don't play high enough in, and, and intense enough to actually disrupt this Bayern Munich team. And what happens? They go and they collapse and concede eight goals. But Koeman can't just fix that. This is a squad issue, right? So he needs to he needs to be creative in the way he gets this team playing. Yes, more intensity, but not necessarily stand on the halfway line and run your guts out up top. Dean, and coming to you, it's something we talked about last week in terms of the Perlo appointment. But maybe this is a little bit taking it back from that. Obviously, Kerman is a much older Barcelona legend than, than Perlo is Juventus or Zidane was to Real Madrid, etc., etc. But he is a Barcelona legend and he is a face. And, and, and Sam Marsden mentioned it just there. Is this one of those things where like, the dressing room has just gone? The heads have gone. You saw the Barcelona players kicking the chairs after the eighth goal went in. You know, and, and you can understand it. But equally, it was one of those moments where you're like, what happens in the dressing room after that? Is there even a conversation? Do you just sit there and be like, right, well, well what's happened here? Is this an appointment to kind of take some of the flack out of that, to, to really like go into this dressing room and be like, right, this has just not been good enough for this club, which I love, which you all support, supposedly love. Is this just to kind of fix things off? Yeah, I think that, you know, this could be one of the only jobs, that actually, club jobs anyway, that actually suits Koeman. Um, he's had, what, nine club jobs. Um, most of them not gone particularly well. Um, but going into Barcelona now, he will command respect from the dressing room that's one thing he will get um 
and he's got experience of Barcelona and also Ajax, which are basically the two biggest clubs that you need to have experience of if you're going to be um, part of the furniture, if you like, and really accepted by everybody. They're obviously hoping that his presence brings a change in itself. Um, I think his mentality didn't work at Everton anyway. I know that much. I spoke to people about there about how he was perceived in his time there. And uh, Koeman wasn't particularly liked at Everton. They found him to be quite arrogant. They didn't feel that they had any sense of style that he was trying to implement. They, they couldn't really work out what he was about. And they, you know, they never sung his name and things like that. But they just never took to him. The thing is, you know, at, at Barcelona, he has a style that he can turn to straight away. He knows what the club principles are. He knows what his aspirations have to be for that team. I think that it's probably, you know, there's a reason that he's always wanted this job and it's probably because it's one of the only jobs that will really suit him. Yeah. Um, Sam, is there a sense that he's going to be the full guy here? Because he's coming in in an August where there are presidential elections in March and we could have a completely new board at the helm of Barcelona in seven months' time who are going to want to import their own ideas and their own squads and their own things. Is he walking into his dream job to be kicked out again in 12 months' time? It kind of feels like that, yeah. I mean, I'd be surprised if he doesn't know what's coming in terms of the timeline. And I guess what he's saying is, this is the job I've always wanted. This may be the only chance I ever get to get it. If I can absolutely nail this, then let's go. But the most likely timeline here is he walks in and what he is is a very strong personality and he doesn't take any shit from anybody. He's got the clout of the playing career, the Barcelona DNA, and he's been a manager for a long time. And he uses all of that to essentially start cleansing this team in the way that we just talked about with Sam, some of the high earners, some of the underperformers, some of the 32, 33-year-olds. He starts to phase them out. And he's basically Mr. Unpopular in the dressing room for a year, but he starts the process that is difficult, awkward, but much needed. And ultimately, what probably happens is March comes along, Victor Font, another presidential candidate, gets elected because he wants to have Xavi at the helm. Xavi does his extra year at Al Sad because he's just signed on to do that. He comes in for the summer, new board, new era, Xavi at the helm. Everyone's happy, probably. And in the meantime, Kuman has started the process of just weeding the squad out. And Chavi's not going to want to like get rid of his pals, is he? No, he's no, not going to no. be the one who's like, "I, Sergio, mate, you're out. Get yeah. out." So what, what they've done here is they've been like, "Get Ronald Kuman in. He'll just kick like you know PK and and Sergio Busquets and Jordi Alba out. And then when Chavi comes in, at least they'll have a squad that he didn't have to like play with." Yeah, precisely. He's just been brought in to do the awkward bit, the difficult bit, the bit that no one wants to do, the bit that no one wants to accept. And he's, he's doing this while walking away from a Netherlands side who were really good, really exciting, really well put together. So credit to him for that. We've, we've talked about how maybe the Everton job didn't go so well. He's had a lot of jobs, but he's done a really good job with the Dutch. And he's also walking away from a genuine Euro 2021 contender which I find a bit strange. But then when he starts talking about dream jobs, you can't begrudge a man for that, can you? I mean, he is Barcelona in, in, in himself and, and this is his dream job. So I understand why he's taking it. But he's taking a gigantic risk here. And I'm sure he knows that he is essentially a sacrificial lamb on paper here to get things, get the ball rolling on this reboot ahead of what happens next year. I'm sure he realizes that. He obviously just backs himself to do such a good job that he sticks around. Perhaps. Dean, are you surprised he left the Netherlands job? Um, 
a little bit, but I think that you know, if, if you've had aspirations for this club job all your, all your life, then then you just jump on it whenever it comes along. Um, wasn't he sounded out for this when Setien was sounded out for the job? Because there was always rumours that Kerman had been sounded out then, and he'd said no, which makes this even more weird a decision, as far as I'm concerned, because the club is in a worse state than it was when he was off the job in December. Yeah, well, I'd heard that he was going to come in anyway after the Euros. If if things weren't going well at, at that point, and it would always been kind of. Um, in his head that if a, if the job was available after the Euros, then he might have gone for it anyway. Obviously, the Euros didn't happen in the end. So maybe maybe he was just always hoping to get through that tournament and then he always planned to take this job anyway. That was one of the, the things that I'd heard. So, um, look, you, you've, got, you've got to take Barcelona if it's offered to you um, and then it's up to you what kind of job you could make of it. Yeah. I mean, there was so much that I wanted to speak about on this pod this week. David Silva is signed for Real Sociedad. Valencia have fallen apart as a club and, and put their entire squad up for sale. And I promised people on Twitter that we'd discuss it. We're not going to have time. We're, we're going to have to put that on, on the back burners. And next week, we're going to have European finals and, and new European champions to, to talk about in terms of, of the way that the Europa League will pan out and the way that the Champions League will pan out. And I'm so excited for, for this kind of week of football ahead of us. And yet all we've talked about is, is Barcelona, who have, have faltered, who have fallen. And, but it seemed like the only story we could discuss today. It did indeed, yeah. I mean, look, my outrage over Valencia allowing Danny Parejo to just leave and then him having to hold his own press conference on a Zoom call and then break down into tears when his kid asked why he's left. That's all just going to be have to save for another time. But trust me, we will get to it. It's just that Barca, the biggest story in football right now. And Dean, if this transfer goes through, then, well, transfer season is really going to be in full swing, isn't it? We saw a transfer hijacked yesterday, which is up there with our, uh, our most in- in- enjoyable things in some ways. I'm just not that fun if you're a Lazio fan or, or indeed a member of the Lazio board. Um, but a transfer hijack late on in, in a romantic setting is, is always something that we, we quite enjoy. Yeah, Sociedad quickly nabbing David Silver at the last minute was a lot of fun. I love a hijack. It's one of my favourite transfer words, actually. I used it many times in my tabloid days. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I like, along with tug of war, I love the tug of war. What about um, war chest? I like war yeah. chest. Yeah, that war chest is a good one. But yeah, you know. Going to need to take someone with a war chest to sign Messi, that's for sure. Um, we'll, we'll have to see what's going to happen, but this is going to be crazy, isn't it? You know, this story is not going to go away, judging by what we've heard today. And uh, that means that up until transfer deadline day, we are in for some sort of roller coaster ride at, that could end with Messi making the most unbelievable transfer of all time. Well, absolutely. And also deadline days until October. We've got we've got a longer time Brilliant. than usual to Three see through. I would say, rank squad, that it is probably time to get those seatbelts out and, and strap in because this is going to be one hell of a ride. And that's pretty much all we've got time for today. So firstly, I'd just like to thank Sam Marsden and Marcelo Beckler for joining us and, and giving us their insights on what's going on on the ground in Barcelona. And then after that, all that's left for me to do is to say thank you very much to Sam Tai. Thank you, mate. Thank you very much to Dean Jones. Cheers, mate. I've been Jack Collins. This has been BR Football Ranks. Please make sure you're continuing to share it with your friends, anyone that loves football. All across the world, we are, of course, capturing everything, the essence of everything best about this game, wherever it is on the planet. Thank you for listening as ever. We really appreciate you. And we'll see you next week, Ranks Squad. Enjoy the Champions League and, of course, the Europa League final. See you in a bit.